Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. This is going to be a great episode of nothing but happiness and mindfulness. My first guest today is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, a company he co-founded with the Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. As a veteran sports and technology executive, David is helping the firm leverage over $20 billion. That's with a B in relationship capital, bringing athletes, celebrities, and businesses together to make lots of money help people, and have a lot of fun doing it. In fact, we talk about some of his cool things. You want to hear about G-O-Y-A. We're going to drop that in the middle of the show. You want to know about that. You're going to hear about it, and I can't wait to tell you about it. David Meltzer's mission is simple, to empower over a billion people to be happy. Now, he also served as the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency. We talk about how he got that job, which was an inspiration for the movie, Jerry Maguire. Remember Jerry Maguire and that agent that's in there? That's what we're talking about. Hey, David, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. So nice to finally see you again, my friend. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) It's always good. Yeah, last time I think you and I chatted was over the phone, so we didn't get to see each other face-to-face. And and now with all of us doing all these Zoom calls and live cast and everything else. It, but you know what? It's really kind of cool. It's like TV, but with a podcast. Yeah, it, it is. You know, people have pushed this stuff on me for the last three years, and I was resistant. So I'm one of the first to say, you don't know what you don't know. And I have one friend that early on invested in Zoom and he wanted always to have Zoom calls. And I'm like, dude, I got to do other stuff while I talk to you. I don't have time to look <laughs> face to face. Uh, but, you know, of course, with podcasting and brand lives, uh, it's really extended the relationship capital, which is truly the biggest asset that I have and have built over 35 years is the ability to connect with people. And now that everyone's opened up to these things, I'm loaded every day with unbelievable relationships. Yeah. And and more business than you want to do with, right? I mean, that it's amazing right now. Everybody's talking about how it's slowing down and so forth. I, I find most businesses right now, I won't say most, at least the ones that I'm dealing with in, in the C-suite network, because uh, they tend to be a little bit more progressive, a little bit more aggressive. And what we're seeing is that the business is off the charts. I mean, with crisis comes opportunities. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, first focus on stability, then on opportunity and look directly to your own capabilities. If you're not looking at the skills you have, the knowledge and the desire right now, you're making a huge mistake because there's unbelievable opportunity and disruption. No, oh, without question. Think about you. You mentioned relationships, and I've I've been a believer in relationships. I've built my entire I don't know what do you want to call it, empire, or whatever business around relationships. And I heard somebody say not too long ago, "Hey, uh, you know, sales. It's all about the relationships." Well, idiot, when did it stop being about relationships? But that's how that's how you've gotten into this business is all because of relationships, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, running uh, first Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment to recruit, you know, the most notable athletes and celebrities in the world. It has to take the ability of an emotional attachment. I always say people buy an emotion for logical reasons. But before the emotional attachment, which, you know, you have this charismatic uh, being that you are. People trust like you and you're kind. But what you are most and what helps you most is what most people ignore. And it's credibility. 
right? And mm. so working really hard on credibility of being your highest self and pursuing your own potential and illuminating the mistakes that you've made. I think one of the smartest things that I did back in 2008 when I lost over a hundred million dollars, went bankrupt, was I didn't hide from it, you know? And I got out in front of it and I said, hey, look, I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I made. I, I had yeah. some ego issues. I've had, you know, I was buying things uh, that I didn't <laughs> need to impress people I didn't like. And hey, I, I was young and yeah. I am asking for my own forgiveness for the mistakes that I've made, but I'm not going to make them again. And I'm on a mission to help people be happy because I think, you know, happiness isn't bought. Uh, but yeah. if you do buy the right things, you know, money's important to me. You buy the right things. You can be really happy. You buy the wrong things like I did in my 20s. You're going to be really yeah. unhappy. <laughs> what was this? What was the stupidest thing you bought? I mean, just a like golf course, not even close a golf course. <laughs> I, I, here's the lesson in case people want to know, always be the third owner of a golf course. The yeah. third oh, owner yeah. of a golf course was the yeah. one that bought it from me, the guy who's bankrupt, who like on pennies on the dollars, no matter what happens in the economy, the guy that took our golf course is going to make money no matter what. I say the same thing. I've always wanted to buy either a restaurant or um, a, a hunting club, uh, you know, hunting resort. And I, and the rule is be the third guy. Be the yeah. third guy. And I, that's it. Because they, the first one spends all the money to build it up. The second one thinks he's going to run it. So he does all the marketing and pushes it, pushes it, pushes it, thinks he's better and smarter. And the third guy comes in and cleans it all up. It's, it's, it's a fact. That's a fact. How did you get connected with uh, Lee? And, you know, which became the movie, you know, Jerry Maguire. He's the agent in Jerry Maguire. And, uh, and Lee, by the way, what a sweetheart guy. I mean, just oh. the nicest guy in the world. He is one of the kindest human beings. In fact, the tagline of a lot that I use come from Lee, which is be kind to your future self, do good deeds. Uh, it's his nemesis as well, that he's just such a nice, gentle person, unlike yeah. what a sports agent's supposed to be. Um, ironically, you know, so the most common thing people ask me is how do I become what you've become in sports, right? That I mm -hmm. of a sports agent, of a marketer. And yeah. it's funny because I tell people sports is an industry, not a profession. It's an entire industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. If you're a journalist, you can be a sports journalist. If you're an accountant, you can be, you know, some of the presidents of teams were literally like civil city engineer guys that know financing of cities, right? And then right. they ended up building stadiums and then they become presidents of companies. So what I tell people is the reason that I became the CEO of the most notable sports agency was because I developed a lot of skills. I always developed my knowledge in a variety of different places. And I had a desire that I must be what I can be. So when I met Lee Steinberg, not looking for a job, I allowed the coincidences of my life to happen because I paid attention to what I wanted to happen. I gave intention to what I wanted to happen. So when the opportunity or coincidence he was attracted to me in 48 hours from when he met me, he offered me Jeff Morad's job, right? COO of the most notable, because I had run companies. I had been a customer. I had hired sports celebrities, athletes, entertainers. I had sponsored and advertised big events. You know, as CEO of the world's first smartphone is running a, as a millionaire by nine months out of law school. I surrounded myself with all of these skills, knowledge, and I always maintained the desire that started with me wanting to be a professional athlete into just wanting to work in sports. And I was going to do whatever it took throughout my career to find it. See, that, that's a good point. Listen up. Everyone that's listening right now, there's something he just gave you as a gym. And I heard this yesterday. You know you've become a brand when they come to you. 
as opposed to you're going to have to go out and sell it. And in this case, it got back to being credible. And that you said that early on about myself. Thank you very much. But others, athletes, you can't just represent athletes unless they're good, unless they're credible, unless they got the goods, right? And the same thing happened with you in terms of being credible and being good. That's the reason why Lee was attracted to that. Yeah, it's amazing. One of the things that you do and I have learned from you is this idea of, you know, spending time with the people that you're adding value to at the time. So I'll give you an example. We have so much deal flow. And what I noticed uh, in your career, uh, as I watched, is that in the sports agency world, they did this. You spent the majority of your time with the people you were engaged with. And other people are like, oh, well, you know, he's so busy as this. But when you got in touch with them, including me, it was like, hey, I want to do business with you yeah. and I'm going to pay attention to you when we're doing business together the same way I do to those people. So if I haven't given you the attention, it's because I'm taking care of the people I'm doing business with the same way I'm going to take care of you. That's very credible. Instead of people that are trying to be everything to everyone, overselling, backend selling, lying, manipulating and cheating people. And it's not authentic. And sooner or later, the truth comes out and so does your credibility. Amen. Amen. So you should walk your talk, baby. Walk your talk. Speaking about walking my talk, I got to go walk over and talk to some uh, some advertisers. So I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're bringing you All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. C-Suite Radio, as you know, is the number one business podcast network in the world. We have more business podcasts than any other network in the world. Don't forget that. And we are a headliner right here. The All Business is a headliner. And of course, hey, I own the radio network. I own the podcast network. It's not that 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 doesn't make me number one. What makes me number one, the people that listen every single day. And I love it. And it's because I got great guests like David Meltzer. Now, David is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He is the author of the best-selling book, Game Time Decision-Making. Man, I'm telling you, rush out. That's his latest book. Get that book, read that book. And of course, don't forget, he's got a podcast as well. Um, Your business partner is none other than Warren Moon, who I used to love to watch to play. And do you have similar leadership styles? Are you guys totally different? You know, um, know, like my business partner, he, he and I are like night and day. And he lives right there in Orange County with you. And, but we're night and day. I mean, he's in flip-flops. I'm in cowboy boots. Yeah, he, 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 he's a, you know, cut and dried guy. I, I might wax a story or two, you know? <laughs> so what's it like for you and Warren? Yeah, he is living in the majesty of commas. We are opposites, obviously, physically. We're like twins, Danny <laughs> DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah. Talent-wise in sports, we're opposites. He's born with and created unbelievable talent. I'm an average Division three football player. But really what makes the difference is our personalities really blend nicely because I'm extremely emotional. And he has born since he was 18 to be what this neutral, he lives in neutral. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. Mm. And we've taught each other all of our, you know, great attributes and we're coming closer in our ways that we do things, but he's in cowboy boots. I'm in flip flops. Uh, (laughs) We are complimentary. And to be fair, you know, it's so nice because my wife and I are the exact same, right? I'm OCD. The only thing that Warren and I both have in common, we both are extremely OCD, which is really nice because we're always on time. You know, everything has to be in its place and clean. We we have vacation together and it's so much fun because 
because while everyone else is sleeping, Warren and I have gone shopping, cleaned the kitchen, started cooking, you know, yeah. and one of my highlights of my life is, you know, Warren serving me breakfast in the morning, you know, let's say in Kabul uh, with, you know, 20 people in a huge house. And then everyone just being amazed when he's cleaning up. Like it's one thing to cook people a meal, but it's another, right. like you're the dude doing the dishes too. And but you gotta like, oh. do that. Yeah, but see, I, see, that's me too. I do the same thing. I'm like that too. I cook, especially during this old COVID thing. I've been cooking every single night. I a lot of people have been complaining about it. This has been the best, actually, quite frankly, one of the best times of my life outside of the business stuff. You know, oh man, man, I figured you and I are so similar in our nature and being. I figured you were going to say that sometime in this interview because I'm not guilty to tell people that this absolutely these ten weeks yeah. may have been the de- best ten weeks business wise personal, family-wise, health-wise, right? Yeah. I, I've never been this tan. Uh, yeah, you're tan. You're tan, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've lost weight. I can't yeah. believe I've actually lost weight. I'm eating like a pig. I'm drinking scotch and wine every single night, and I'm still losing weight. I like this diet. This is a good yeah. diet. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love that. Hey, you got three staples that I kind of look at when I watch what you've done. You know, of course, you've been on the, the Elevator Pitch, the Entrepreneur's uh, Magazine's digital show, uh, which has been a, just a great show. Um, you've been able to, three things I would think about you. You, you. you make money, okay? You help people, and you have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, these seems to be what I would call your conditions of satisfaction. Why is giving back so important to you? You know, it's always been important, but it's shifted in its meaning to me. So my original young self, the lost David Meltzer, I was born believing you give to receive, right? And it's a very common belief, right? The more I give, the more I receive. And I I used to think that was really philanthropic and humanitarian about Dave Meltzer. But what changed in my whole philosophy uh, over the last 14 years is I receive so I can give. I focus on getting as much as I can with a purpose, right? Empowering over a billion people on earth to be happy. But I have a true purpose. But I used to feel guilty about receiving. I would create void shortages and limitations on receiving. A lot of people have trouble receiving. I used to have trouble asking for help, asking for mentorship. Once I cleared that and said to myself, I receive so I can give. So it comes through me with appreciation, gratitude, and me adding value to what I receive and giving it away. And that distribution, yeah. right? I am a distribution channel has changed my life to what is the common currency of this vibration is money, an object of energy we put into the flow to get what we want. So I want to receive as much money as I can so I can help as many people as I can, which makes me what? Happy. And happiness is the greatest virus of all times. It spreads the coolest thing, right? It strengthens everything, including your immune system. So that's why happiness is so important. And that's why those are the three key components to a holistic, happy approach to life. Yeah. And some days I got to tell you, I'm not always happy and I'm kind of crabby and I got to get out of that. And my wife is doing that. So tonight I'm actually going to watch a mindfulness movie with uh, my good friend Deepak Chopra and then I'm going to join 200 people on a happiness kind of thing. So I'm going to do my best. I'm trying, and my wife's trying to help me. So tell me about the law of G-O-Y-A. What's that? The law of Goya is get off your ass. And so I do, <laughs> I sit on, with, with Deepak, you know, I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council. He was yep. on my podcast last week talking about existence. And one of the- guys, brand new book, brand new book. He was just on uh, one of our TV shows, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. And his podcast with his son, right, Gotham, and, and what they're doing in sports context with the religion of sports. But what the interesting thing is, I always had a problem being spiritual, Jeff, 
because I envisioned people that were spiritual, this law of attraction that they would talk about sitting yeah. at home, high on their mom's couch, sick and broke, dreaming about what they want. Uh, right. Yeah. And I'm more a ferocious Buddha. Right. I, I'm ferocious about what I want, but Buddhist in the way that I get it, meaning I'm ferocious about clearing the interference connections and, and corrosion between me and what I want and allowing it to come to me. Like you said earlier, earlier, it's such a beast of a chore to get off your ass and fight your ego. The need to be right, the need to be offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, all of those things. So I have learned that the law of Goya is the effectuator, the catalyst to the law of attraction. You're not going to attract anything into your life until you move. Even Einstein said nothing happens till you move. Yeah, with every action, there's the equal opposite reaction. That's right. That, I love that. Getting out. But you know, the key thing is always with most things in life, you got to have balance. And that's a big part of that. <laughs> And if you're going to get off your ass and make things happen, you know, being spiritual, being happy on the other side, that's a good thing. Hey, speaking of make what makes me happy, it's, it's advertising. And I need to take a quick break and I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. And we are back live. You're watching a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Is it right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for listening in and being a part of this and watching us on LinkedIn and Facebook as I'm right here with David Meltzer. He is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and author of Game Time Decision Making and, of course, has his own podcast. He's on a TV show. I mean, there's nothing this guy doesn't do. Someone just wrote in, uh, Tom Heltz uh, just wrote in, I think, or Tom Heights, I'm sorry. And he asked this question, David, what's the greatest frustration with your athletes back in the day? And would you, uh, what would you change now when dealing with athletes? Because it's, it's kind of a new world order with a lot of different things right now. Like, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so apathy is always the number one problem. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, an athlete is so hyper-focused on their skills of performing as an athlete that they deny all the other areas of their life with an apathetic uh, perception. So they're not more interested than interesting in their financial literacy. They're not more interested than interesting in the other attributes. M most great athletes uh, are obsessive in nature, right? You're not going to be yeah. a world's best at something unless either there's a few that are born with a quantum talent that yeah. lasts and if you're born with a quantum talent and don't develop it with an obsessive nature, it's not going to last. We see more like shame on you. Shame yeah. on you. God gave you some great talents and you didn't use them to, to help other people do other things. Shame on you, man. Yeah. And that happens. But you know, what happens as well on the other side is people get so obsessive about the one aspect of their life, you know, that they're a professional or world famous for, and they become apathetic and assume that everything else will take care of itself. So that's why 75% of, you know, athletes become bankrupt. You know, they have in intimacy with problems. They have relationship problems because you know what? Those take practice and work as well. I, I know you're yeah. married like I am, Jeff. You know, that's a great practice of my life. 23 years, I've been practicing being the best husband I can be. And, you know, thank goodness for my wife's patience and understanding uh, for allowing me to keep practicing yeah. how good I can be at it. But I think apathy is the most frustrating thing uh, that I had representing people because you can't make somebody do something. And it, it's not a matter of the league doesn't provide or the agent doesn't provide opportunities to, to protect them in all those areas. They're just apathetic about it. So let me ask you a question. Who's uh, some of the best business uh, athletes who are good at business? Oh, there's quite a few. So Steve Young, you know, one of our clients is, is really good. Freddie Couples, uh, extremely good. Um, there's so Marshall Falk. 
besides Warren Moon, obviously. Marshall Falk. Who's Marshall Falk? See, I don't know anything yeah, about Marshall sports. Marshall Falk is a Hall of Fame running back, uh, played for the Rams, won the Super Bowl. Okay. Went to San Diego State. My apologies to all the Rams fans out there and everything. I look, if you ask me who the CEO of this company or this company or that company, or who's the CFO, I know those people. Yeah, you would know John Scully, right? We, yeah, no, John and I are friends. Yeah, John, I've, I John's been on my right. show a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I figure he's right up your alley. But yeah, Marcel Falk. But there's there are you know uh, some really great uh, athletes and business people that they apply the attitude to be more interested than interesting. What I say is there's a combination, the guys who can enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of their potential, whatever that industry would be, whether it's athletics or business or in innovation or technology, whatever it may be, Jeff, you're one of those people, you're gonna always improve and accelerate what you're doing with your capabilities. You may pivot. Everything that we yeah. do may not work out, sure. but we're not attached to those ends, but we're going to continue yeah. to grow and accelerate and succeed and the money will follow us. So let me ask you a question. Uh, we're coming up on the end. we got about another minute left to go, but what are we going to have any sports seasons this year? Yeah, we'll have them with limited or no fans for sure. The content itself is too good, too rich. I was just uh, looking at an investment on what I thought is really going to change the face of professional sports. There's an AI that allows real feeling of crowds. And, and this will change late night TV. Yeah. As well. You know, one of the things about comedians in these late night shows or Joel Osteen, the timing is off with no crowds. The timing's going to be off in the games with no, oh, or cheering. Right. So yeah. I love or this booze. AI. Or booze. Yeah. 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 That's the problem. I can't, you, well, that's going to be the key thing, I think, with going forward with this is can you capture the emotion of the competition? You know, playing is playing, but we also know, you and I both know, because we have sat there on the front row, we've sat in the 50-yard line, we've sat in the boxes, we've done all that. There is an aspect of that that's really special. Well, I'm going to miss the business of that. Because so much business, you're going to miss that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much business occurs in that suite. So much business occurs as I host someone on the, you know, with Brandon Steiner, you know, on the third baseline front row and they come over and deliver the second base to my guest, you know, or, you know, or home plate or whatever. This is, the new, this is the new third base, my brother. This is what we're doing right now because I miss it so much. We're sitting on third base together doing this is wonderful. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. Hey, David, I got everybody. We're listening. David Meltzer, the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, the author of Game Time Decision Making. Don't forget, check out his podcast. Go buy his book and, and follow him on social media if you want to know anything about the business of sports. And he's doing it. Business is sponsorship, too, not just sports, but, you know, all the athletes and the sponsorship. That's a huge, huge market. David, thanks for joining us right here on All Business. Thank you so much, Jeff. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned, but don't forget my next guest, Ariana Huffington. Whoa, you talk about a powerhouse coming up right after this. I always like to talk about the things I learned, and what did I learn? A lot of things in this show. Jam-packed. What gems do you get from David? Let me tell you, don't hide from it. Whatever it is, don't hide from it. I thought that was great. And I love this one. Happiness is the greatest virus. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You're going to hear more about happiness and mindfulness coming up with Arianna Huffington, and then my best one I love, get off your ass. That's right, get off your ass. Hey, by the way, G-O-Y-A right now, and go tell somebody about this show because you don't want them to miss it, and I appreciate you listening in, and I appreciate you telling other people, okay? My next guest is determined to change the way we work and how we take care of ourselves. Boy, do we need that. She is a best-selling author, and her last two books, 
Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder, and the sleep revolution. Transforming your life one night at a time became an instant international bestseller. Both of them, big, huge bestsellers. You know, you see her on all kinds of different shows that you see all the time, commentating on CNBC, NBC. Um, I don't think she gets on Fox too much, but she's pretty much everywhere else. We're talking about Ariana Huffington, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, a leading behavior change tech company. Ariana, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thank you. Great to be with you. Last time we were together was when Thrive first came out in... Uh, I do remember that. 2015, I think. It was, it was. And, and you've just been doing absolutely wonderful work. It's so great. I've read a lot of your articles recently, and they make me think about a few things. For, for example, you write about the modern day Vesuvius and the four curves that we need to flatten. And we are all about talking about flattening curves right now. Everybody's talking about that. Tell the audience what the four curves you see we need to flatten. So obviously, Jeffrey, the priority is flattening the coronavirus curve. Yeah. But there were three other curves that are truly dangerous and pre-pandemic. Uh, one of them is the rising curve of chronic diseases. Yeah. Uh, diabetes, obesity, hypertension, and heart disease. 75% of these diseases is behavioral. It depends on our lifestyle. So we have the power to change, and we have to change because the skyrocketing increases are not sustainable. The second um, curve that we need to flatten is the mental health crisis, which, again, was there before the pandemic, and now it's being exacerbated by isolation, uncertainty, anxiety about the future, financial insecurity. So we need to address that, and a lot of that is related to stress, and we're doing a lot yeah. of work at Thrive on that. And the third one that I know we talk a lot about in business circles is the growing inequalities. We've mm. been talking a lot about it, but now with the pandemic, we saw how truly interconnected we are and how um, essential it is to actually do something, not just talk about flattening that curve. So you, one of those you mentioned is mental health, and it's amazing that we don't seem to be investing more in that because there's so many other things going on. We're seeing suicides right now with COVID. We're seeing certainly with the military, a great number of suicides. We've actually seen some shootings here recently, right? Again, and all those seem to be really related to that. Why aren't we investing more into mental health? Well, actually what we are seeing with all the companies we are working with at Thrive, you know, like Accenture and Bank of America and Verizon and Walmart, that they are now investing in mental health. That mm. uh, a lot has changed, you know, in the last two months. Right now we are finding that the CHRO, the head of people function, is now the most important position in a company other than the CEO. And they are responsible for the health and wellness of their employees and that they are recognizing that you can have the most impeccable uh, return to the office procedures in terms of elevator protocols and uh, masks and plexiglass 
But if you don't also address the stress and mental resilience of your employees, the productivity is going to go dramatically down. Right. So even for purely um, business reasons, stress and mental resilience have to be addressed. So think about the ex- the exposure that COVID has had on weaknesses individually and collectively. I mean, we look at the hoarding, some of this infighting we see on. What else has COVID exposed that we need to force to deal with long term? And and what do you think is going to emerge from all of this, Ariana? Well, I'm very optimistic that what's going to emerge will be a better new future. Uh, there is no question, Jeffrey, we're not going back. There is no going yeah. back. Yeah. Um, but it's up to us to see what we leave behind that was not working anyway. And I think in terms of the way we work and live, what was not working is this breathless, frenetic way of conducting our lives. <laughs> and, you know, I... We all know that we paid a heavy price for that. I mean, I write in Drive about how I collapsed from exhaustion and broke my cheekbone. For a lot of people, it's worse. It's heart attacks. It's people who, because of stress, find themselves stress eating or over drinking or all the things that are actually happening now during COVID as well. But we are seeing um, how important it is for our physical immunity and our mental resilience to take steps for that. Then our behavior change up is based on micro steps. Uh, we don't believe in New Year resolutions because they are normally abandoned by the beginning of February. So the question is, how can we do these small incremental steps every day that lead to healthier habits? And we have hundreds of them. And they start with how do you start your day? How do you end your day? 60 second breaks during the day to focus on your breath and focus on um, something that changes the stress neural pathways in the brain. And today in the Wall Street Journal, there is an article on the healing power of the breath. Mm-hmm. So that's what, is, that's what is changing, that all these issues are now recognized as being science-driven and data-driven and not warm and fuzzy. So let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. All right, we are back live on LinkedIn and Facebook, and we are live with Arana Huffington, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, and, of course, a best-selling author. And, of course, you've seen her many times on television shows, uh, even uh, Bill Maher. I remember seeing you a couple of times on Bill Maher, which I always think is kind of interesting, you with Bill Maher. But it, nonetheless, that make you know, politics and, and TV makes interesting bedfellows, as we like I to say. I love him. He's been a friend for many, many years. You know, what I like about him, I don't always agree with his uh, politics on politically incorrect, but I love the fact that you can have a transparent conversation with him, even yeah. if you disagree. Like him and he and what, uh, uh, who is the Fox uh, commentator? Uh, that he that he always used to fight with quite a bit, but they get together. Bill, I can't remember Bill's last name off the top of my head, but the the very controversial Bill O'Reilly. He's a, he and Bill O'Reilly get together, and they actually like each other because they have good conversations. They don't dis they disagree totally without question. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question how do you how do you think this is going to change you? 
I mean, I see changes that that I'm going to make coming out of this without question to the business, to the way I operate. But I also see some things that this has slowed me down in, in a lot of aspects. You know, you talked about breathless and I've been operating now right now. I've been never been busier than I've ever been in my life, but I'm finding myself cooking dinner every night. I'm finding myself, you know, sitting with my wife and enjoying things I never got to enjoy over the last five, six years. That is fantastic. I hope you can write about that because what I'm sure you will see also is that you're actually more productive, more effective. You come up with better ideas when you are not living off your to-do list and your inbox. So I have (laughs) made a lot of these changes, you know, since my own wake-up moment. And one of the things I've discovered during this lockdown where I'm here with my two daughters and my sister is that I'm actually more of an introvert than I thought. Uh, You know, my life has been um, has been very much dealing with people and traveling and everything. But I love being in my home and being able to go to my garden and sit under my lemon tree and And I hear from a lot of people who have lived their lives on planes that really I'm not going back. I'm not going back to living my life on a plane and I don't need to. And it's kind of one of the incredible silver linings in this period of trial. And Jeffrey, you know, we cannot underestimate the pain and the loss of this time, you know, loss of life ones, loss of jobs, financial insecurity. But the only way for change to happen is through a crisis, through a catalyst like this. Yeah, they become crucible moments for each of us in terms of what we have to look at. Hey, by the way, your lemon tree, I do hope you're collecting those lemons and making a nice limoncello. Oh, limoncello. Actually, no, I have here my lime and uh, lemon hot drink. Uh, I bulletproof coffee. You know, one of our micro steps is remembering what we're grateful for. And all these little things make us um, appreciate moments, even during difficulties. And we launched a program with Stanford on the latest um, brain research they have. We're calling it Thriving Mind. And you take an assessment to identify what is your stress trigger? What is the way you respond to threats and, um, and fears? And we all have our own different stress type. And it's kind of interesting when we understand ourselves better, this greater self-awareness, it's easier to also take steps to deal with them before they become symptoms. We have to be present in the moment to understand who you really are. And then what are those triggers for you? That's a tough thing for some of us to keep in mind, especially if we're going full speed into the fire, which is what a lot of us did for a long, long time. I think this is a change, but I do want you to stick to that limoncello recipe. I love limoncello. I make it myself. I have to send you the recipe. You will enjoy it. Uh, what What do you think are going to be some of the casualties of this pandemic? Well, the the biggest um, danger is the casualties of those who are already disadvantaged, who are already living um, fragile lives financially, 
uh, we also see a disproportionate impact on the African-American community, the Latino community. Um, part of it is, you know, living in food deserts. Um, the, the recognition now that our physical immunity depends on what we are eating, on whether we're sleeping, on, um, on our stress levels, on how much we move, all these things are foundational to our immunity and critical to how, um, we, how vulnerable we are to both being infected and how severe the infection is going to be. It's very important to keep stressing that 94% of the people hospitalized in New York had pre-existing conditions, mm. 94%. Wow. And we have it in our power to change these pre-existing conditions. You know, scientists now say behaviors trump genes. Every day. Every, Every day. day. What do you think, um, with, I'll give you the last question, and I thank you so much for being a part of this. What do you think I can do as a leader to help my employees manage their stress, manage their anxiety, you know, to lead, you know, manage their fear? and to lead a more productive life, you know, and, and by the way, being more productive for their life would also be uh, more productive for me too, right? Well, number one, uh, and this is what we call in our training, the new leadership playbook is make sure you put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Because if you are not centered, if you are stressed out, you're going to communicate that. And uh, then, make sure they realize that taking time to recharge, to make sure they have a good night's sleep, to make sure they take 30, 60 second breaks between things, to focus on their breath, to move around their kitchen table or their desk, wherever they are, is actually going to make them more productive. They have to help their employees make a mindset shift because a lot of people still think that the only way to be great and productive is to be always on. And that's simply not true. And also to just inspire people to recognize we are all in this together. We'll come through this together. And uh, to ask real questions, you know, to probe, uh, to be empathetic and make it clear um, that you are there for everyone. I'm going to ask you one more bonus question that came in and it's from Holly Duckworth and she is the leader of our C-Suite Network Mindfulness Council. And she asked the question, how can we come together in the awareness that mindfulness means business? I think that's a great question to end with. Absolutely. Well, you know, we are seeing that now, Holly, you know, we, we've, we've just signed a five-year contract to provide wellness services for Walmart, both for the frontline um, associates, and we're also working with their leaders working from home. And it's so clear that when people put it into practice, and then they tell their stories, which are including in the app, practicing mindfulness, starting the day, for example, taking one minute, one Walmart leader wrote about that, taking one minute to remember what brings her joy and gratitude before going to her work email, that one minute changes everything because most people go to their emails before they are even fully conscious, before they've gotten out of bed 
and they're not yet ready to face the day. So this is mindfulness. Mindfulness is being fully present and making sure that you start the day centering yourself from that place, which I call the eye of the hurricane, you are much more likely to make the best decisions you can make. Well, thank you so much, Ariana. You've always been a class act and you show it every single time you get to, I get together with you. You've been very helpful to me in my career and with my books. And every time I've ever asked you to do things, you give and you give and you give. And I thank you very much for that. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. And if anybody wants to subscribe to my Sunday newsletter, it's thriveglobal.com slash Ariana. And go on thriveglobal.com. We have tons of great content on all these topics. And of course, on LinkedIn. We will make that happen. We'll drop that in the show notes. Thank you so much. We'll let you go. I know you're busy. We'll let you drop off. Thanks for joining us right here in All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And I learned a lot. And I got to tell you, the biggest thing that I learned is how can I take care of my employees and my family if I don't take care of myself? you hear that? A lot of us, we just put everybody else ahead of us. And sometimes, you know, as I say to the people uh, in our team all the time, sometimes those servants uh, soup to the soup kitchen, got to have some soup. So what are you doing to take care of yourself first? You know, do you, even in the plane, you know, in the plane, uh, when they tell you in those exercises, if you got a child with you and the oxygen mask come down, the first thing to do is put it on you, put it on you. And then you put it on everybody else. Because if you can't serve yourself, you don't live. You and you, <laughs> you can't help anybody else live. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And, you know, go be mindful. Go be mindful. All right? And be mindful if you would. It would be, it'd be great if you could tell other people about the show. Thanks so much for being a listener right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.